0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Asian Seller Podcast. I'm your host Meghla Bhardwaj and on today's episode please welcome my guest Danny Carlson from Kenji ROI. Hey Danny how are you doing?
1: Oh good good well I am half Asian so I guess I can half be on this podcast that's good half Japanese (laughs) heritage. (laughs) Pleasure to be on.
0: Uh, Thank you so much for joining us. So the topic that we're going to be discussing today is Amazon listings, and you've got some slides prepared for us um, to talk about triple Amazon, triple optimized Amazon listings. That sounds very interesting. A lot of the listeners of this podcast are new Amazon sellers who are just starting out, or maybe they have a couple of products on Amazon, and uh, they're always looking for ways to you know, increase sales and optimize their listings. So very relevant topic for all of our listeners and viewers. So before you start your presentation, Danny, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and uh, you're, you're, you, you stay in Bali, right? You live in Bali.
1: Yeah, so I currently live in Bali, Indonesia. It's just a really great entrepreneurial community here. Been living here for about a year. Um, it's kind of known as like the digital nomad capital of the world at the moment. And so there's lots of people in the Amazon space that are operating their Amazon businesses from out here and just selling into the United States, for example. So really like that. But originally from Vancouver, and that's where most of the team is for Kenji ROI. It's our Mm -hmm. listing optimization and Amazon click ads agency. And we've been operating for about three and a half years in that space. just only focused on Amazon. So that's basically how I've workshopped this entire methodology that we're about to go over in this episode here is – through creating the listings for, um, I believe at this point, it's getting close to 1,500 listings we've done for our clients, um, just all in the Amazon space. So just enjoying life here in Bali and doing lots of fun Amazon stuff.
0: Awesome, that sounds so cool. So how long have you been selling on Amazon for?
1: Um, I got into the Amazon space uh, almost exactly four years ago myself. So yeah, coming up on four years now.
0: Okay, awesome. Okay, so um, you know when you're ready, start sharing your screen. And of course, for people who are listening to the podcast, uh, Danny will go over the slides and describe the slides, you know, and, and so you will be able to just listen to the podcast. But if you do get a chance, head over to YouTube to watch the actual video. Just search for our channel there, The Asian Seller, and uh, you can actually watch, uh, see the slides over there. All right, Danny, so over to you.
1: Okay, so this presentation is going to be about triple optimized Amazon listings. Basically, that's the three essential pieces that must be executed to perfection for a dangerously effective Amazon listing. And basically, this works off the principle of exponential growth. So basically, if you have one of these things, you're going to get steady growth in a straight line going across, right? It goes up the same amount every month. But, if you add two or hopefully three of these things all together, then everything builds on itself. It starts to look like a hockey stick it 's going horizontal and then slowly curves vertical and then you get you know triple quadruple, quintuple the results within the last little bit right there. So all these things work together to create exponential growth and what exactly is the triple optimized amazon listing basically it 's methodology that I've created and also through the experience of our agency Kenji ROI to maximize click-through and conversion rates on Amazon product listings in a reliable and repeatable way and three pieces of that are keyword optimization which hopefully you're familiar with that if you're into Amazon selling key info communication which is a concept that I'm sure a lot of people here understand but I don't think people pay enough attention to it and then also persuasive desire optimization so that's basically using psychological sales, copywriting principles, and then implementing them into the images and the writing for the listing. So first one here, keyword optimization. This is how we show the Amazon algorithm that our product is the most relevant item for specific search phrases. And a lot of people just go a little bit too hardcore with this. You don't have to go that hardcore because Amazon's algorithm, it will show your listing in a lot of different ways. you know, variations of the keyword phrases that you put in there, but you definitely want to optimize for the most important ones. And my number one rule for Amazon keywords is relevancy over volume of keywords. Way too many Amazon sellers, they, um, for example, some of our clients, they want us to write their listings and they'll send us a list of, you know, a hundred different keyword phrases that they want put in their listing. And that's just way too much. If we tried to put in 100 keyword phrases into the listing, it would essentially just be repeating the same thing over and over again to the point where no one can read the listing, um, looks super keyword stuffy, and the click-through rates are gonna go down, the conversion rates are gonna go down. Um, So think of it this way. If the title is filled with your top five or six main keyword phrases, it essentially is just gonna be repeating the same thing over again. And if you're a shopper on Amazon, you quickly will see that, and it looks keyword stuffy, and it looks cheap, and you don't wanna click on the listing, right? So when it comes to keyword optimization as well, the title is the most important place. So I like to put the top three phrases in the title. That way you're still getting your top three phrases in there and really any more than three and you're getting towards that keyword stuffy area where you're just repeating yourself too much. I'm uh, Gonna go over an actual format that we use at Kenji ROI and um, you know, like I said, over a thousand listings written at this point with this format. Also should be using your subject matter fields for your top phrases in exact match. So just really quickly, if you don't know what exact match is, that's just using those keywords in the exact spelling in the exact order that the phrase is you're targeting, right? So if the phrase is um, silicone barbecue gloves, exact match is silicone barbecue gloves, not barbecue gloves silicone or um, barbecue gloves made of silicone. It's only exactly the exact match phrase. And the subject matter fields are a very powerful keyword field that a lot of people don't even fill out. It's just in your Amazon back end over in the keywords tab there. um, You have to press add more button five times to make it all show up and you should be putting your most important keywords in the subject matter fields. And another thing, I also like to put the top five phrases in at least three different text fields in exact match. So, whether that's the title and the subject matter fields and the description, or the bullet points and the description and the title, it gives a good coverage of your top five most important phrases. Really make sure that Amazon's algorithm knows that those are the most important phrases for your product, and it's going to create a lot of different variations of those keywords um, have you indexing for those different variations. So, in I just front of me here, to, if you're watching,
0: just wanted yeah? to pause you a bit here. So, subject matter field. I think that's uh, you know something I've heard people ask about this. Uh, this field specifically so first of all it's not available for all um, listings is that correct it's not available for all product categories
1: that's correct so if you're in clothing you won't have access to the subject matter fields for example Um, and it is called other things depending on what your category is but essentially um, what is what is the other one Uh, I can't remember what it is but essentially there's another field in the keywords field that replaces the subject matter field for some categories, and as long as you can press the Add More button five times, it's pretty much the same field and operates the same way. So you should be filling out those fields. If not, if you don't have access to it, you're in the clothing category. Just do your best you can with the regular search terms field.
0: And how is uh, how are the keywords different from uh, you know what you're putting in your uh, you know search terms? What are how, in the subject matter field? Are they the same keywords or? What's the difference between the
1: two? Yeah, they're gonna be different, Um, and this is just the way that we do things. There's no one right way to fill these out, but in our experience and from the data that we've seen, the subject matter fields are more important places to put keywords, so we reserve them only for your top keywords in exact match order. So typically, your top uh, seven or eight or so phrases can fit into there in exact phrase order. Um, And then for the search terms field, we have one field that is only 250 bytes, so essentially 250 characters. It's a little bit different, but for that field, we like to put a lot of the different keywords that didn't really fit anywhere else in the listing. So we use a special tool that will take all of the words that are in the listing, we just paste in the the title, bullet points, description, and everything, and then cross-checks it with our list of important keywords. And the important keywords we didn't put somewhere else in the listing, we will put into the search terms field just to make sure we got good coverage on the Amazon algorithm. Okay, makes
0: sense. All right, thank you.
1: Okay, so I told you guys before, this is the title structure that we like to use that gets the top three main search phrases in there, but also has really good information optimization. So it starts out with, The very first thing should be the main search phrase in exact match. So if you do all your keyword research, you've decided that um, you've decided your main search phrase, that should be exactly the start of your title. And when I say main search phrase, it has to be able to describe your product within that phrase alone. So if you need any more words outside of this phrase to describe what your product actually is, that's not your main search phrase. Often people will take the one that is has the highest search volume and is close enough and they call that their main search phrase. But in reality, if you type that in, there's like five different kinds of products showing up. Maybe um, kitchen accessories has by far the most search volume but your product is a spatula, you can't explain what your product is by the keyword kitchen accessories, right? It probably would be spatula, just uh, one word for example. I mean, most products, it's gonna be at least three words whatever your main search phrase is. Usually two word phrases are not specific enough, but obviously it's gonna differ depending on what your product is. So after you have your main search phrase at the very start, you wanna follow it immediately with the most important describing info. And you definitely don't wanna follow it with your second main phrase because usually that's just repeating the same thing. You wanna get the, the most important information across to your customer in order to get the click. So if someone's scrolling the search results page. They're probably looking for something pretty specific, right? Let's use the example of Bluetooth headphones. If they are looking specifically for, you know, Bluetooth 4 or whatever the most, you know, the fanciest newest Bluetooth version is, they're looking for that as a trigger word in order to click on your product. If they don't see exactly what they're looking for, the chances they're gonna click on your product goes way, way down. So we wanna use that second piece of the title as the most important real estate to get across the most important information to the customer in order for them to make the click. And then after that, I like to follow with the second main phrase. And rather than just taking whatever the second main phrase is and just plugging it in there, we like to mix it in with something that describes maybe a main benefit of the product. Or it's it's like a readable sentence. It's not just stuffing another main phrase in there. Um, So yeah, kind of pairing that with a main benefit if you can. And then at the very, very end of the title is where you want to get the the third main phrase. Ideally, again, you're mixing it with another piece of information that's good, not just stuffing it in there. But if you do just have to stuff it in there, then you're going to put it at the very end where people are the least likely to actually read it, right? So uh, for people who are watching this, there is an example that I have written here. Um, You guys can probably find the slides later on as well if you go to uh, the show notes for this episode. And... Also, yeah, the subject matter fields, we kind of covered that. Um, That's looking good. This is the way that I like to place my top five search phrases across at least three text fields. Pretty simple. I just open up a Word document and I paste in all of my top five search phrases. And then under each one, I just write down title, bullets, description, and subject matter. And then I just... I put that in the same Word document that my entire listing is in there. So all of the text for the listing is in this one Word document, which makes everything searchable. So then I go one by one through my top main phrases. So I take the phrase number one, I go control F and I can search the entire document and make sure that that search phrase is within a document somewhere. And I can see quickly, okay, so it shows up in the title and description, but that's only in two places, right? So I need to add it into one more place then I go into the description and add it in there somewhere that makes sense, not keyword stuffing, right? So this is just a really quick and easy way to make sure that your top five search phrases are across at least three sections of your listing. And a lot of the time, if you've done a good job of writing your listing and you kind of know what you're doing as far as getting the search terms in there, you'll find that you already have those main phrases in a lot of places in your listing and you just have to go in and just add things in here or there and only in a couple different places. Okay. And now this part is probably the most important thing on Amazon that a lot of sellers just don't pay any attention to is key info communication. So that's identifying the key information that shoppers are scanning for, then prioritizing and placing it in strategic areas to maximize click-through and conversion rates. So we used the example before of Bluetooth, right? People are looking for Bluetooth 4 are only going to click on a listing that they know is Bluetooth 4. People don't want to waste their time cooking around a bunch of different places if they're not sure what it is and if they see one of your competitors who has just really done a good job of key info communication and put it in the right places they're going to get those clicks they're going to have the higher click-through rate probably a higher conversion rate as well and amazon is a comparison shopping engine so attention that isn't expertly gained and held will slip straight to competing product pages you got to remember that it's not about having just a really good product it's about having a better, more appealing product than everyone else who you are directly compared next to. That's on the search results page. You're showing up directly next to all your competitors. That is, even on your own product listing, there's all these sections like um, item, you know, related to this product and sponsored items related to this product and all these different places um, there we're we're gonna go over a slide in a second that shows exactly how many different places are for someone to click off of your listing onto your competitor's listing. So just remember you're being compared directly to your competitors. And it's all about speed and ease of communication of the right key product info. And we're gonna go over how to do that here. So the most important places, number one, your main image, right? Your main image is the most important because that's what shows up on the search results page. That's what shows up on sponsored products related to this item. It is the one picture that anyone who potentially is gonna click on your listing is gonna see. So what can you communicate about that product? Here on my screen, I have an example of a computer mouse and it's a USB one. It's one of those ones where you plug this little USB thing into your computer and it wirelessly will connect your mouse to it. And just by having that an image of the little usb um, plug-in slot next to the mouse people can clearly see this is a wireless usb mouse right they don't have to read anything they can just instantly see that really important piece of it right and the mouse above that it clearly has the wire and the usb plug-in showed to it so people can clearly tell what it is very quickly and easily the second most important place is the first little bit of the title so that is Um, What we're talking about earlier in the title structure, your main search term, followed by most important describing information. People typically are not going to sit there and read through your entire title. So whatever that most important piece of information is, really important that it is within that first little bit of your title. So people are scanning and they're going to see what they need. Right and the other two places that are super important that we just have less control over are the reviews The amount of reviews and the star rating obviously really affect your click-through rates and conversion rates as well as the price so Like I said, you really probably don't have that much control over your price and your reviews So you have a lot of control over the two things that you can control the main image and the first little bit of your title and then when you're on your listing there's a whole nother set of priorities here. So I would say priority number one is your first three images. If someone can click on your listing and within the first three images, they can see pretty much everything they need in order to press add to cart button, then you have won. That should be your priority is just making you know, all of the key info communicated within those first three images. Priority number two is the first 100 characters of the title. And you got to remember that it's really important, especially on mobile, is that you're, they're only gonna see that first little bit of the title without clicking to zoom in. It just doesn't show up as well. So the first little bit of the title is number two. Number three is your A-plus content description, um, otherwise known as enhanced brand content. If you don't have brand registry, then make sure you're using an HTML formatted description so you can have some bolding, some line breaks, some you know, bullet point lists and numbered lists or else it just shows up as one giant block of text and no one's going to read it. Number four is the first 70 characters of your top three bullet points. So on mobile and on a lot of different product categories, you're going to have to click to view more than just your top bullet points. They're not going to see the bottom bullet points. So you should prioritize what is the most important key information a customer needs to see in order to press that add to cart button. And you should put that in your top three bullet points, you know, especially the first one and the second one are more important, obviously, and make the bullet points scannable themselves too. I like to put a heading at the start of each bullet point that explains the main benefit that bullet point is talking about. So explain it in a benefit driven heading, and then explain how your product provides that benefit in the rest of the bullet point. You're almost selling someone just to read the rest of your bullet point, right? Much more effective that way than the other way around. And so here's the example that I was talking about earlier. This, there are 26 visible competitor products available on all of your product pages. This is an example that I used of a, a Wi-Fi extender here. We have a section, product sponsor, uh, sponsor products related to this item. There's a whole bunch of competitor products there. There's a section below that, what other items do customers buy after viewing this item? Uh, compare with similar items and it has all the competitors, a lot of them have a lot more reviews than your product too. Amazon's gonna show the products that the customer is more likely to buy. Um, And then there's another sponsor products related to this item section back there. So 26 possible places to click off your listing. So if you're not optimizing this stuff, um, you're probably just gonna get trampled by competitors who are optimizing this stuff. So I know that's a little bit complicated, that stuff, but if you can really nail that down, it is totally worth it to raise your click-through and conversion rates. And the third and final piece of the triple optimized Amazon listing is persuasive desire optimization. It's using sales psychology to portray your product as the bridge from your customer's undesirable current situation to an improved future situation. Pretty simple when you break it down like that, right? So there's a few frameworks that really work for this. And uh, one of the most powerful ones that you can really use in almost every part of the Amazon listing is aggravate pain, present your product as a solution, and then illustrate a happy future without the pain. So it's really important that you identify what are the pain points that your product actually solves for your customers. Then, like, how can you aggravate the pain? How can you illustrate what it's like for your customer to feel the pain of of having that so they are motivated to buy your product to solve their pain, right? And then we want to present your product as the solution to that. It's like, how does your product actually... Provide the solution to that pain and then illustrate it. Get them to visualize what their life is going to be like, not having that pain, having a happy future without the pain of whatever your product solves, right? Um, and really good sales copywriting and imagery is about creating a really powerful visual where shoppers can literally feel the pain and then literally envision how their lives will be improved once they own your product. And I mean, this goes really into sales copywriting is basically the psychology of psychology of sales, right? Writing a good Amazon listing is not just about being a good writer. In fact, I am a terrible writer. I didn't even, you know, I got like a C plus or something in in uh, English class in high school, but I'm a great sales copywriter because I really studied the art of what it takes to get inside the mind of your customer and really know the trigger points for buying better than they know them. You should know the pain points and how to solve the pain points and what really aggravates your pain points better than they actually understand it themselves. And then you can write your listing to create that persuasive desire. So what are some ways that you can enable shoppers to visualize how their lives will improve through owning your product? I think the number one most powerful way is lifestyle images. And you should be using a model that matches Your customer target demographic so if people typically buy your product are elderly people maybe you're selling some uh, tumor supplements or something like that then it's probably people in their 40s to 60s that are purchasing the product you should be using a model that is you know that whatever your target demographic is maybe it's a female who's 55 years old then you should get a model for that for the lifestyle images and Lifestyle images should be in the moment and specifically showing one very specific benefit. It shouldn't just be the model holding your turmeric bottle and smiling at the camera. That is a terrible lifestyle image and that's, that's something that I see very often that makes me cringe. What are you showing off in every single one of those images? There should be a very specific shot list that says, okay, so we wanna show off this benefit of you know, lowering inflammation. So how can we show that? Well, a good way to show that in that example is to get the model Um, maybe going for a jog, right? Uh, Supplements are a little bit more tricky because you don't really want to show the product that much. It's just like a, a bottle with some pills. But think very specifically, what am I trying to show in this image and how am I going to most effectively show it actually in action in the moment where the customer is receiving the benefit of the product? And that's going to set your lifestyle images apart from everyone else's. And it's important to tell a cohesive story throughout all the images as well. Are you using the same model through the images? Does everything kind of make sense? Is the lighting similar to all the images? Is the color of the product the same and consistent throughout all the images? That's a really easy way to get yourself some one-star reviews when the customer sees an image of the product and they receive it in real life. It's a different color than what it showed in your images, right? So very, very important to make everything cohesive. Um, and that's just what professional brands do, right? Everything just looks like it was professionally done and it would, it all makes sense together. So we kind of went over this, um, the art of sales in written form is called writing sales copy or copywriting. And this is not copywriting with an R. This is copywriting with a W. Copywriting is in writing on a piece of paper right? Nothing to do with intellectual property. (laughs) Um, So I personally think it's the single most valuable skill an entrepreneur can learn because it's really going to force you to get inside the mind of your customer. And once you really understand that, you can understand how to create better products for those customers. You can understand how to create better marketing materials, how to create better advertising on Facebook, these customers, it just really allows you just like so much freedom as an entrepreneur. So the best books on copywriting I've found, Uh, breakthrough advertising by Eugene M Schwartz is kind of the copywriting Bible that all great copywriters will recommend this book. And it's very interestingly, I think it just recently got put back in print after being out of print for many, many years. And this book used to sell on eBay for $500, or I think over a thousand dollars at certain points, just because it was out of print and it was just like such a renowned book by copywriters that people would pay absurd amounts of money for a used copy of this book. Um, so I think, don't quote me on this, but I think you can actually buy it in print again, which is good. And if you don't have as much time, you just want a really good overview of copywriting and get your hands on some basic principles of it in a really short amount of time. is a super short book that can be read in I think about 15 minutes. It's by Neville M. Madora called This Book Will Teach You to Write Better. It has zero fluff. You just open it up and it just goes straight into like the most core principles of copywriting. And in 15 minutes, you can, um, you can understand copywriting to a pretty solid level without any fluff. So, guys, that is the triple optimized Amazon listing methodology, all about the exponential growth. To recap here, we have keyword optimization. How do you give Amazon's algorithm what it needs to know exactly what your product is and what product searches to show your product up for? And key info communication. What is the most important information that your customer needs to see in order to click on your product and then click the add to cart button to buy your product? And where do you optimize that in your listing and how do you prioritize that? And then finally, persuasive desire optimization. How do you create that desire in your customer so that they literally dream about your product and they, they know that your product will solve the pain that they have for whatever pain point your product solves? and how do you sell to them effectively using sales, copywriting, psychology. So that is it guys. On the screen there you can see my blue avatar face if you're watching this on video. I just thought that was really funny so um, uh, I got my graphic designer to turn me into a blue avatar face. Um, No other reason than I thought it was funny and kind of cool. So that's my nerdy self there. Hopefully that was uh, insightful for some of you guys.
0: Yeah, that was really good. Thanks so much for that, Danny. So, um, I really like how you, you've kind of simplified, you know, everything and, and, uh, just given very specific information and specific guidelines that, you know, um, things for the title and, and images and everything. So I just had a couple of questions, you know, you mentioned about, um, three images, the first three images, they are like the most important, uh, you know, images, um, in, in the entire image stack, do you have any guidelines or best practices for for the image stack overall? I mean the first image, of course, has to be just the product on a white background, but what about the remaining images?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I think every good Amazon photo set has three different types of images. like you said, you do need the product on a white background for the main image at least so you need at least one studio image for the main image, but you should also have some lifestyle images with a real model actually showing off the main benefits of your product and also at least a couple graphic design images, which is uh, you know an infographic image, some of you might know it by, where you have some graphic design elements added on that shows off your branding, has some text on there, maybe some zoom in bubbles that are calling out the main benefits. Um, I think that the second image should always be a graphic design image, just because it's the most effective way to communicate the most key information to your customer as you can. So that's um, whatever the most important information about the product is that you need to communicate to your customer in order for them to buy should be on that graphic design image in image slot number two. And it's really important to not overdo it with the text. You should only have as much text as you can easily read on a small mobile screen without really clicking to zoom in, like having to pinch and just zoom in on the text. That's a really big mistake people make. So a rule of thumb is there should be no more than four pieces of information on on a graphic design image. Uh, Four is like if it's a super concise benefit for each one of them. even better, if you can identify the two most important pieces of information and just have really concise benefit statements about them and then put some zoom in bubbles, maybe like zooming in on that part of the product that provides that benefit or a fancy icon that is kind of showing that off. Um, it's definitely the most powerful one to put for image number two. And then number three, I like to put whatever the best lifestyle image is. So whatever image you have with the model showing off a main benefit of the product that is just your most killer image that makes your product look amazing, that clearly shows one of the main benefits to your product in action, those should be your first three images on Amazon. And then the rest of them, um, you know, it's on a case by case basis, whatever your strongest images are after that, I think you should just order them in, you know, order them in strength. Um, and the final thing I'll just say on that, there shouldn't be any images that are terrible quality. You get judged by the worst quality image that you have just think about it if you saw an image set that showed five really great images and the sixth one was super blurry and like dark and taken on an iphone uh you're probably going to be like yo what like what is up with that that's like some cheap scammy company like is this a real company anymore maybe they're just a scammer and they're not actually going to send me my product like it it just raises red flags right same thing if you see a bunch of fake, obviously fake reviews on someone's Google My Business listing. You're probably going to second guess that company, right? So really important that all of your images do reflect your professional quality of your brand. And there's no like bad ones just thrown in there just because you don't have one extra good one.
0: Yeah, totally makes sense. What do you think about, um, you know, photoshopped lifestyle images? I mean, that's very commonly done nowadays. I feel that, I mean, if the Photoshop, is done in a professional way and it uh, you know, doesn't look Photoshopped, it's okay. But you also see a lot of images that, you know, that, that kind of look, um, you know, like it's a bad Photoshop job and, and it just looks kind of bad quality. But do you have any advice on that? Like, is it always better to use real props and real, uh, you know, models or are photo- Photoshopped images okay too?
1: Yeah, I mean, I can never say that Photoshopped images in general are bad, but I will say that 95% of the time they are not done to the standard that it needs to be done. There's a lot of people that use stock images that they're just clearly stock images. And the problem with using stock images is that you don't have full control over it. You just have to find the one that is close enough to what you're trying to do and just use it. And it's probably not going to be optimal. It's really bad when people just take an image That is just really generic. It's just not specific to the product. And they take the product and we'll just Photoshop it in there. And it usually looks really terrible. Um, And to find really good quality stock images that you have the rights for, you're probably going to need to pay a chunk of money for that anyways. The stock images that are out there that are free typically are just not very good. Right? <laughs> like you're going to have to pay $30 per really high quality stock image. And even then, you don't have full control over it. So, if you're using a real model with real lifestyle images with a real photographer, you can get something super, super specific. It's like, okay, I want to show off the model exactly doing this specific thing that shows off this specific benefit and in this specific way. Then you can go ahead and create that. You don't have to try to pay a graphic designer to. Hopefully, Photoshop your product into an existing image that is not that specific and may or may not look super fake, um, and give your customers the wrong impression of your brand.
0: Right. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Um, you also mentioned optimizing images for mobile. I think that's so important. So, do you have any other advice? I mean, you mentioned, of course, the text should be readable, but what about in terms of size? Is there a difference in the the image size that you see on mobile versus Um, You know, on desktop, for example, desktop is of course all images are square, but on mobile, do they have more of a vertical orientation?
1: Um, Yeah, so that actually depends on the product category on both desktop and mobile. So what you see will be the same on both desktop and mobile. But for example, phone accessories is a category where you will see a vertical, uh, a vertical photo on both desktop and the mobile. I guess the Amazon just has seen that people shopping for mobile accessories are probably shopping for it on a mobile screen. So it makes sense for them to optimize it for mobile more. Um, So definitely check with your product category, whatever your product is, go and find a competitor's product and just check to see if they optimize the little thumbnails on the left of the images as square or a more vertical one for mobile. And then make sure your images are cropped out for that. And this goes for any image on Amazon, you really shouldn't have any extra white space on there. You want to make it show up as large as possible. This is especially important for mobile. Like it's important on desktop too, just to make your product show up larger and not have wasted white space. But on a small mobile screen, if you have that wasted white space, it's going to show up incredibly small on the mobile screen. And one thing to remember is on the Amazon mobile app, the photos are not automatically zoomed in on. So if you're scrolling through the photos, they're going to show up on a small fraction of the screen unless you press again to zoom in and make it fill up the entire screen. And if it's not absolutely as large as it can be, it's going to be incredibly small. And if people are not zooming into it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So what about, um, you know, a plus content do you have, I mean, you, you gave a, f- a couple of examples of, you know, how to tell your the, the story and how to highlight the benefits of the product in a plus content, but do you have any other best practices for, what kind of images or, or content to use in A-plus?
1: Yeah, so a very common mistake I see in A-plus is people not putting any graphic design or text elements onto the images. Mm. Um, it's just a really easy way to get some of your branding across about your product. So my rule of thumb is I want my A-plus content in general to look like it's just like a landing page on my website. I want most branding elements in there as I can. I want the, my brand colors. I want the brand fonts. I want uh, just like a cohesive, like a, it should look like a brochure basically. And if you're not putting anything on the images, you just take like a lifestyle image of the model and just place it in there with nothing on it. Then you're missing out on that opportunity for branding. And quite often the overall impression of it can be kind of cheap, right? A lot of Chinese companies, they just throw a bunch of stock images in there as an extreme example. And it just, it can almost cheapen the brand more than it will help it. So that is a problem that we do see sometimes actually is some of our clients uh, before they've worked with us, they've actually seen a conversion rate decrease by adding a plus content. And it's always because they just took whatever images they had laying around and just threw them in there. Um, And it doesn't look very good. The overall impression of the brand is not good. So have the branding on the images. Um, We also like to have some text on every single image. So even the small little square images, we will take whatever the text heading is for that section and place that text heading onto the image as well. Um, People just like to scroll through stuff and scan. And so if someone's just scrolling down the listing and they just only kind of glance at the images, they would still see whatever the main benefits are of this product just by glancing and their brain instantly taking in whatever was on those images. Because people can take in much more information from an image than it can from reading right the brain is has evolved over thousands and thousands and thousands of years to instantly gain so much information from imagery but reading has only been around for several thousand years you know the written language is not actually that old (laughs) Um, so our brains really haven't evolved to be fast and efficient readers but is incredibly efficient at visual imagery
0: absolutely and um, I think you know the bullet points that's another area that I I feel I mean as a shopper myself i rarely read bullet points i mean especially if it's like big chunks of text you know that's like just scary i don't want to go through all of those all of that text so how important do you think are bullet points and how long should the bullet points be i mean there there are five of them right so how long how much effort should people really put into writing uh those bullet points
1: Uh, The bullet points actually take some of the most effort of writing in the entire listing. And the reason for that is we recommend that the bullet points are super, super concise. And it's more about specifically what each bullet point is about. So whatever the top four or five benefits are of the product, each one of the bullet points should be about one of those. And the reason why it takes so long is it's all about crafting those statements to super concisely get across the main benefit of that Um, and then explaining how the product provides that benefit. I mentioned before the format that we like to use is starting out with a heading that just clearly communicates what the main benefit you're trying to describe is then following that with how the product provides that benefit. And it just takes quite a bit of time and effort to really define like what are the top five most important benefits and then how do I create a benefit statement that very concisely communicates that to the customers in a compelling way. Um, that's actually uh, one of the most sales copy intensive parts of the Amazon listing to create. And while it's not super important in the fact that a lot of people won't even read the bullet points, you can now, now that you've done the hard work of deciding what those top five benefits are, that's also going to inform your shot list, right? You should make your photos covering those exact same things. You can literally take the exact text that you've, that you've crafted for the bullet points and then put it onto some of your graphic design images. If you've done a good job of, Crafting those bullet points, then there's no reason you can't put it somewhere else where the customer is actually more likely to see it, like your image number two slot for graphic design, for example. Um, so, you know, not a lot of people won't even read it, but it is one of the most important time-intensive parts of creating an Amazon listing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um Okay. I I guess my last question is, uh, you know, about reviews and ratings. So recently Amazon's allowed people to leave a rating without actually having to write a review. So what sort of impact do you think that's having on, you know, sales overall? I mean, is it, is it a positive thing for, um, you know, people who, who are just starting out, they don't have a lot of reviews because buyers are more likely to just leave a rating you know, rather than, have, uh, rather than having to write a review. So what impact are you seeing on sales overall with this change?
1: To be honest, I don't think it's something that's really going to impact things too much. The only, the real major thing is that if you're a brand new seller and you have zero reviews, your conversion rate and click the are is going to be really bad until you get something. Uh, unfortunately, Amazon has really not been able to solve the problem of a lot of fake reviews. And yeah. that's just kind of always going to be a problem unless they really switch the way things have been done. To me, honestly, I think it's a bandaid on a problem. It's just a way of Amazon showing that they're trying to do something about the problem without actually changing the problem. Um, The only way they can really change the problem, in my opinion, is just completely revamping the way reviews are done, maybe not having any like number associated with how many reviews there are, maybe some other system. But in my opinion, it, it doesn't really change much.
0: Okay, that makes sense. Well, Danny, thank you so much. This has been um, very informative. So do you want to tell people what the best way is to uh, you know, reach out to you in case anyone has any questions about your services?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You can reach me at KenjiROI.com there, just through the website, dot icom or usually on Facebook. Probably spend a little bit too much time on Facebook Messenger. <laughs> um, so Danny.k.carlson on Facebook. You can find me there. I'd be happy to uh, chat with you guys.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Danny. And, um, yeah, I hope to see you in Singapore sometime soon.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I have to fly over there for my next visa run and, uh, come do an Amazon seller meetup with you.
0: Absolutely. Yes. We should totally do that. All right. Thanks a lot, Danny. Bye. Awesome.
1: Thank you.